If you had been around here yesterday, and I know some of you were, but if you, if you had been here uh, at the church, uh, you'd have seen there was a lot of activity going on yesterday, a lot of things that were happening, some of our normal Saturday going on, and we had a, a special event here. A dance group was doing a, a fundraiser here in the sanctuary yesterday. Uh, one of the f- church families, Lauren's family and, and group was here, and um, we had the services for Steve Whitten his celebration of life yesterday in the historic chapel. And to say that it was packed is an understatement. It was out the door full. And so we had a wonderful celebration of of Steve's life. And um, in addition to all of that, um, a number of our our young young people, our youth, um, gathered. They met about 1 o'clock. And um, along with some of the Julie McNaughton and some of the adult volunteers, they went to Rock the Universe last night at Universal Studios in Orlando, which is a Christian... Um, music night and, and fun events, some of, uh, as I look at a few faces that have, have gone in the past. And so, uh, so they, were, they were out pretty much all, all night and uh, got home. Uh, Tony was one of the chaperones, so they came in about 3 a.m. Um, now, why am, I, why am I sharing this with you? It's because I, my intention was I wanted to, to kind of give a shout-out today. I wanted to give a shout-out this morning um, to, to my daughter, Cassidy, who's in the back running the projection because she was there. No, don't clap. No, don't clap. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll tell you why. I wanted to. I wanted to give her a shout-out because I thought it was impressive that she made it up. And, but she, she trudges in here this morning and um, looking every bit as tired as I know she feels. And, and I said to her, we were talking, I said, Cassidy, so you going to be able to make it? Through, through, in, through the service, you know, especially through the slides and keep us on point. She's like, yeah. She's like, I'll be fine. I'll sleep during the sermon. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. She said it. So if that head drops below, you throw anything you got at her. So uh, that's why I'm not letting you clap. But in all seriousness, I am. And Jay McNaughton will be here doing it the next service. So some of our young people and some of the, uh, some of the adults are, are going to be floating around. And, and I'm thankful that they really did have a good time and they made it safe, safe and sound. I woke up just enough to know they were home and then went, went back to, to sleep. But um, the, the sermon that she'll sleep through this morning um, <laughs> is going to be a a continuation of a series we began last week that coincides with our capital campaign and, and the culmination on February 17th, so in a few weeks, of, of our capital campaign for what we pray is going to be the next step in our growing in our facilities to facilitate our ministries. And so we started this series, the, the, Rooted and Growing is the name of the campaign, and we started this series um, building on that, not just about structure, but, but what's it mean to be the community of faith? What, how, what marks and, and what are the, 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 um, the, the character of our lives in Christ and, and some of the things that we want to, to think deeply about as we journey together, individuals in faith and most importantly collectively as, as this body of Christ that we've been called to be. And so last week we started with prayer. And, and the very first thing was that we're rooted in prayer. And, and the line that, that I just want to, if, if you're here, just to repeat to you or just maybe instill in you, was this, this recognition that, that in our call in Christ, people are always the priority, prayer is the first action. People are the priority, prayer is the first action. 
And, and I start with that because I want to, before I get into today's message, I want to kind of give you a challenge, an invitation and, and a challenge. And that is to continue to, to live into that practice of prayer. And we've done some of these prayer opportunities through this campaign. And uh, you have an opportunity to take a step with us to, to continue to cover the church and our ministry in prayer. And that is during the month of February, we are inviting you into a, a daily prayer vigil, an experience of prayer. And, and what we're asking you to do is to consider signing up for a 30-minute um, a window. Is it Monday through Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday? So Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So either the first part of the week or the second part of the week. And commit every day that you've made a commitment to, Monday through Wednesday or Thursday through Saturday, or both if you want to, um, to in that 30-minute window to pray for the church and the ministry, the outreach, the impact. Now, let me, let me say something. That does not mean you need to pray for 30 minutes because I know that's people like, I can't pray for 30 minutes. Um, that just means in that 30-minute window, at some point, if you sign up for 2 p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that means on Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, sometime between 2 and 2.30, you take a moment to say a prayer for the church. If you want to pray for 30 minutes, wonderful. If you want to pray for 30 seconds, that's okay too. Just to cover the church in prayer, cover everything that we do in prayer. It's not a person per slot. We can have 20 people sign up for 2 p.m. It, it, in fact, we know that some of you are just desperate to sign up for 3 a.m., and we can have all of you at 3 a.m., um, whenever you want to do it, but, but join us in that. So in the Wesley room, this room right here, after worship, you can go in there and you can kind of make a commitment. You can sign a commitment to, to pray, and you can put a tab on, and you know there'll be kind of a visual uh, chart that they have so we can see who and when people are praying just to kind of cover and, and to be rooted in prayer, for us to absolutely be rooted in prayer. So if you want some more details about that, Renee, you're going to be in there. Um, Renee uh, Tucker will be, will be there, and she'll, she'll tell you all about it. So I want to challenge you to, to join us and to, to join those who have already made that commitment this morning. So that was rooted in prayer. Today, we're going to talk about vision. Talk about being fueled, driven, if you will, by by a vision. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So um, not P-A-R-R-I-S-H, perish. They P-E-R-I-S-H, perish. Um, but the people perish. And so we want to talk about that. But I want to start with this reflection. And, and it's a reflection that, that has been based on a, a number of conversations, just random conversations, happen chance conversations that I've had recently. But it's popped up as a thread more than once. So it usually tells me God's kind of stirring a little bit. And um, the conversations have really just morphed into, into comparisons that I've, when, when I've been talking with some folks about the difference that we experience between um, the reality that our kids, the lives that our kids lead, the things that they do today versus the things that we did when, when I was a kid or, or when you were a kid, how things have changed for their, um, their experience. And I'm not talking about technology necessarily. I'm talking about just the, the daily um, experiences of, of being a kid today. For instance, how many of you remember riding in the back of a pickup truck? Right. Most of us, a lot of us, you know, that was not, a, that was, you didn't think about that. You piled in the back of a pickup truck. You sat on the hump for crying out loud if you needed to. That just put you a foot closer to the edge. But, but I can remember 
playing Pop Warner football in Jacksonville, Florida, and we were driving to a game from North Jacksonville. So we're going from North Jacks down somewhere in South Jacksonville. I can remember riding with teammates in the back of a pickup truck on I-95 <laughs> to go to a game. And we didn't think anything about it. My dad's going to be at the next service. So I'm going to talk about bad parenting when he's here. <laughs> but... Um, but um, but that was just it. We wouldn't. We most of us, at least not in that context. I don't think my kids. I don't think have ever had that experience beyond, you know, in a a back lot kind of a thing. Um, when I was a kid, we all rode our bikes everywhere, but nobody wore a helmet. If you'd have showed up with a helmet, we'd have laughed you off the street. But now kids and my kids wore helmets. Uh, we, would, we would ride our bikes all over Jacksonville. I mean, just wherever we want. Our parents had no idea where we were. Uh, you know, we just knew when we had to be home. You know, nowadays, that's just, it's just not the, the norm. It may be. And, and this, isn't, this isn't, oh, it was so much better back then. Every generation thinks that. When I was growing up, y'all, some of you that are generation ahead of me, you told me that. Oh, it was better when I was a kid. Now I'm telling my kids that. So I, I get it. Uh, that's not the point. But the point is that, that, that things change, sometimes for the better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying kids shouldn't wear helmets or, or that we should put them in the back of pickup trucks. I'm just saying things change. And, and we were starting to think about that. But we, as we were talking about it, it kind of got to this, this conversation. Kids haven't changed. Kids haven't changed. It's not like all of a sudden eight-year-olds started going, hey, mom and dad, put me in a helmet. Okay? Who changed? Parents changed. We, we changed a little bit. And why? What, what drives that change? Well, the reality is fear drives the change. Fear. Fear drives the change. Now, sometimes that's healthy fear. That's good fear. Fear is not a bad thing. It's, it's a human response. It's a God-given response. We need to sometimes um, know fear, K-N-O-W. That keeps us from doing really stupid things sometimes. You know, it... it, it it's valuable. It's part of the, the lessons of life. But there are times when we need to N-O, fear. No fear. There are times because fear sometimes begins, it restricts us. It absolutely restricts us. As I said, sometimes for the better, but, but it begins to, to limit what we will or, or can do. And that can have sometimes very negative consequences. And I believe sometimes that can keep us, that fear, when it becomes the prime motivator, the prime driver, begins to, to limit our ability to live into the vision that God has given to us, to live into being recipients of, of the promises and, and the, the blessings that God desires both for us and to do through us. And to make that point, let's look to our scripture this morning. We are in the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 13. And I'm going to set the story a little bit in more detail. But, but the very first verse that we read says, they came back. I'm going to read that. And so you kind of got to know who they are. So we're dealing with uh, 12 members of, the, of the, the people of Israel who during their journey, as they're journeying toward the promised land, they're on the, the verge of the promised land. Uh, they're sent in to, to be spies, to kind of scout it out. Maybe scouts would be just as good a word. To kind of come back and tell them, hey, what, what can we expect when we step into this place? And so when it starts with they, that's who the they are. And so let's, let's pick it up right, right there. Verse, or chapter 13, beginning at verse 26. 
It says, they came back, the spies came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Now, now just stop there for a minute. They're saying, Moses, it's everything we dreamed it could be. It is as beautiful and wonderful and abundant as we could have imagined. Such good news. But, verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Gev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Enoch come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Friends and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, speak, speak in these moments, your word. May it challenge us. May it uh, motivate us to faithfulness and obedience. Lord, speak your truth and open our hearts to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this is part of the journey of the Israelites in the wilderness. This is part of their, their journey toward or to the promised land. And this is really early in the journey. This is, this is early. Here's, here's what's happened. If, if you're not familiar with the story, Moses, you remember, was called to go back to Egypt, to lead his people, to lead God's people out of their slavery. And so he does. He goes back and he says to the Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And this, this dance goes on and on through these plagues that, that God unleashes on the people of Egypt to demonstrate his power, to, to motivate, if you will, Pharaoh to, to let the people go. And so uh, frogs and locusts and, and um, uh, Nile to blood and, and then the, finally with the angel of death. And finally, Pharaoh relents. And he says, go, get out. And so the people leave quickly. And as they're leaving Egypt, Pharaoh has a change of heart, remember? And he gives chase. And so now the people find themselves in a predicament. They're at the, now, or they're at the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army is closing in. And they go, what are we going to do? And God, through Moses, performs the miracle. Moses raises the hands, the sea parts. The, the people cross on the dry land. The Egyptians try to follow the sea covers them and swallows them up. They are delivered from their bondage of slavery. Wonderful story. Wonderful day. What a great start to the journey. And then the whining starts. They're like kids on a long car ride. Yeah? They start the whining. And first the whining is we're hungry. There's nothing good to eat. When are we going to stop for lunch kind of thing, right? And so God provides. God provides manna from heaven. 
every day but the Sabbath. God provides quail so the people can eat. And then they start to complain because they got nothing to drink. So God provides water from the rock. He provides. Then they, they find themselves at the Sinai Peninsula. And Moses goes up on the mountain and he meets with God. And he brings down the Ten Commandments. So God begins to give shape to this community and how they are to live. And in this journey, they now find themselves on the verge of the promised land. God has delivered them every step of the way. God has led them by day in a cloud of, of smoke, by night in a pillar of fire. God has demonstrated his presence. God has demonstrated his promise. God has, God has demonstrated his protection. And they, they come to the, the edge of the promised land, and, and Moses sends 12 scouts in to say, let us know what you find. And they all come back. They're, they're united on this. The land's beautiful. They're united on this. It has an abundance of, of fruit and protection. It is flowing with milk and honey. It is everything we thought it could be. And then here's where they're not united. Ten of the spies, ten of the scouts say, we can't take it. They are bigger than we are. They are too powerful. They are too strong. We can't fight them. They are completely psyched out. They're completely psyched out. There's, there's a story uh, from, from the legendary days of Newt Rockney. Remember the legendary coach of Notre Dame. And, and the story's told that when they were getting ready to play USC, uh, Southern California, their big rival, that he decided to, um, to psych them out. And so he recruited from the student body the biggest, largest, heaviest male students he could find, and he suited them up. And so on the day of the game, they delayed their coming out. All of a sudden, 150, because there's no you know, restrictions on numbers, 150 football players come out, led by the biggest, largest, nastiest-looking guys you can find. Now, they were never going to play. They weren't football players. But they said that USC just stopped and stared as these behemoths came out. <laughs> and no matter how much their coach tried to remind them, only 11 can play, it did the job. It totally psyched them out. It totally psyched them out, even though those guys never saw the field. Now, I, I think of that story, and I think about what happens here. This is that they're totally psyched out. And they say, no, we, plan B, that can't happen. Ten of the twelve, or two holdouts. One is mentioned here, Caleb. The second, remember who the second was? Joshua. Joshua, son of Nun, N-U-N. Son of Joshua and Caleb. They see it, and they don't forget what God has done. They don't forget every step of the journey they've been on. They say to Moses, we can take it. That's, that's our promise right there. That's our promise right there. And the other ten start to stir up the crowd against them. Now, and I look at that. All twelve saw the same thing. All saw the same thing. Ten say, no way. Two say, let's go. What's the difference? Well, it's all about what they saw. And the lens through which they saw it. Ten spies saw through fear. They filtered through that lens of fear. What does fear do? It limits, it restricts, it pulls us back. But two saw through the lens of faith, which propels us forward. 
the question for us is, what lens do we filter life through and our experiences? The reality is, for a lot of us, as we get older and we get more secure, we get safer. We get reserved. There's more to risk. There's more cost. We know we've had our share of bumps and bruises on the way, and we know that that kind of hurts, you know, that, that those things that we kind of did when we were young, we, we can't do quite as much anymore. We become wise, right? We become wise sometimes, or we become dominated by fear. And when we become dominated by fear, we miss opportunities. We miss opportunities that God gives us. We miss chances that God provides for us to step into the opportunities that he gives. And and I want you to, to hear the the passion that Joshua has for this opportunity. One thing I I don't think that we ever lose fully is a passion for life to have some meaning, for for us to contribute and be a part of something significant. I don't think that ever goes away. It may diminish as we get older. Hopefully it doesn't. But I think we don't ever lose that. There's a a story of a young man who kind of got fed up with living under his parents' roof. And and so he took seriously, you know, that, that whole adage, you don't like living here? Go live somewhere else. And so he kind of stands up before his mom and dad and he says, I'm out of here. I am gone. I am, I am ready to, to make my own way. I want to seize my opportunities. I want to make the most of life. I want to make money. I want to have experiences. I want to, I want to, you know, seize the day. And he goes in this impassioned speech about all these things he's going to accomplish and how great life is going to be. And finally he says, Mom and Dad, don't you dare try to talk me out of it. And so he starts with the door, and his dad says, wait! And his dad stands up. And he looks at him and says, Dad, I told you not to talk me out of it. And he said, Son, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I want you to wait, because I'm coming with you. Okay? <laughs> that, I mean, that stirs us, right? And, and we, we want it. And so Joshua, he, he sees this, and, and, and he's discouraged by it. So I want to I skip ahead a little bit in chapter 14. And I just want to read what Joshua said is the people are, are, are just beside themselves that it's, it's, it's too hard. This is what Joshua says. This is verse 6 of chapter 14. He says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. He's passionate. He's excited. He's imploring the people like a coach into the big game. And this is the very next line. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. The whole assembly talked about stoning them. Joshua and Caleb saw through faith. The others saw through fear. Fear limits our ability to step into God's vision. Now, again... This wasn't Caleb and Joshua's idea. God had given the vision. God had said over and over, I will give you this land. 
This is my promise. I'm leading you to that. And in the big moment, in the moment of opportunity, they shrieked back in fear. Here's the thing you have to hear. You cannot step into God's vision without a willingness to take a risk. You can't. And I'm not talking about just as a community of faith. That's true for us as a church. It's true for you and me in our individual lives. You you just can't step into seizing the opportunities God gives us if we're not willing to take a risk. I I just did a a mental exercise of walking through the scriptures and and thinking about the the men and women of faith whose stories are told from Genesis to Revelation. Women like Esther and, and Ruth and Deborah. Men like Moses and David and, and um, uh, Nehemiah and others that we've talked about, Peter and, and Paul. You know what they all had to do to step in to the call God placed on their lives? Had to take a risk. Esther had to walk into the court of the king and make a petition. Ruth had to stay with Naomi. Moses had to leave the sheep and go back into the land for which he was a fugitive. David had to step onto the battlefield with a giant. Nehemiah had to start to build the wall. Peter had to leave the nets. Paul had to walk away from the only life he'd known over and over. I mean, we could do this all day. They all had to be willing to take a risk, to seize a vision. And what is true then is is true today. Are we willing to... um, you know, to seize our vision? Are we willing to, to take the opportunity that God gives us? Because too often we're not. Mary Kay Ash, the founder of Mary Kay Cosmetics, I read a, a quote that she spoke. She said, the sad thing is that so many people die with their music unplayed. With, with their music unpaid, unplayed. That there's so much that we're capable of. That we're, that so much potential within us that we just never seize the opportunity. We never take the chance. Are we willing to see through the eyes of faith or are we restricted by eyes of fear? Second Timothy tells us God did not give us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but rather one, one of courage. That is, that is hard. That is hard. And it doesn't mean everything's going to work out. Don't, don't get me wrong. Sometimes God builds great things through the ashes of our failure. I have told you before, I'm, if you've been here for any number of time, I'm the pastor at this church because I entered into a ministry years ago that crashed and burned. And if it hadn't, I wouldn't be here. And so I'm thankful for that experience. I don't ever want to do that again. I'm not ready to jump into another one of those kind of moments. But, but God didn't abandon his vision for, for my life in ministry because, you know, I came up short in doing some things that, that I felt called to do. So it's, it's not the promise of success in everything. It's the promise of God's presence in it. And the promise that, that God will, will use that and, and use the opportunities and, and, and our challenge. Really, the, the question that I, I found myself asking is, what am I holding on to? Because really, we get that image from Joshua. See, see, Joshua wanted the people to take hold of God's hand, if you will. If you want to use it, take hold of God's hand and receive this promise. And what do the people take hold of? Stones. To stone him with. What, what, are, we, what are we taking hold of? I, I, we're here in this because we believe that we're at a, an opportunity to take a step. 
And it is, it is a risk. It absolutely is. If you come to me and go, hey, is this a risk? Yep. <laughs> yep, it is. My life's a lot easier without this stress. It is. I mean, it's nice not having to, to think about, you know, big, lofty, aggressive dreams. It's, that's not always, it's exciting, but it's not always comfortable. But what am I willing to take hold of? God's hand and his leading or, or my, own, my own preferences? We, we have an opportunity. In fact, I, I read this morning, I happened to, to just kind of click on Bradenton Herald, and it probably was yesterday's article. But um, Manatee County, Sarasota County, Charlotte County, three of the fastest-growing counties in Florida, if not in the United States. And Manatee's going to be the fastest-growing of the three, it's projected. Yeah, I think that the head of the, the article was like, if you think traffic's bad now, okay? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it is. And, and I know that, that, you know, we don't necessarily go, oh, yay, but... That's our mission field. Are we ready to embrace that field? Are we ready to move into that and to create place so that others can experience the power of God and the presence of Christ and be united in the ministry and mission of the church? It requires us a willingness to step into to risk and to take a chance to follow where, where God would lead. But are we seen through fear? We've seen through faith. So here's my challenge to you. The question I've asked myself is we, in your life and in my life, as, as we're in our journey, as we're facing these moments, these forks in the road, these, these decisions that will come, you cannot avoid them. They will come. The question is, what are you holding on to? God's hand or our stones? It's one or the other in this story. My prayer is that we'll be people that are willing to take hold of God's hands and receive God's provisions. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for your word to us. It does challenge us. It's not always comfortable, but that's not our call. Our call is not to comfort. Our call is to faithfulness. Help us to be faithful. Help us to step into the mission field you've called us. Help us to embrace the opportunities before us. Help us to love others the way you have loved us and, and just help open our hearts to, to hear from you and to respond in obedience. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Christ. Amen. Amen.